What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K, and with me today, I'm so excited about this. Can't believe we haven't had him on the show just yet. Tony East is joining me for today's episode. You can find him covering the Fever and the Indiana Pacers. You can find him at the next SI Pacers, Forbes, WTHR.com, and others. Tony, how are you doing today, my man? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm great. The Fever have given me life because all their games are thrilling within three points in the final two minutes games that just make you love basketball. So I'm great, especially after this game that this guy in the Fever just played. I don't know the last time Fever fans were excited in the way that you are right now, but um, I'm glad that th- this is a new era of Fever basketball. It's exciting. It's it's interesting, like the, the people I talk to about it who just see that they're one in five. I'm like, you know, last year they lose at least four of those five by 18, 20 points, you know, and they got smoked in New York. But all the rest of their games, they're just they're right. They're right there. You know, and that, that that's a lot more that can be said about some past teams. And of course, it helps that their number one pick looks like an all star already. It's incredible. I definitely <laughs> want to get to Aaliyah Boston later in this show, but. It's been interesting, even over the last few years, seeing how close the Fever have even played the Sky. Even last year, they had a couple of close contests. And we had another one, Tony. We had another one coming off of last night where, in typical Sky fashion, Chicago overcame an early deficit and outlasted Indiana late in the fourth quarter, where this this game needed overtime to decide it. And James Wade just drew up a brilliant ATO where... The sky were kind of set up in like in a one four high set where they cleared out the paint and they use Kalia Copper as a decoy. The ball gets to Marina Mabry and she just executes a perfect PNR with Alana Smith rolls to the basket finishes. And the rest is history, Tony, man, like the the sky, oh, you know, I think they outscored the fever by five points uh, to improve to five and three. So I'm not sure how much. Sky basketball you've watched this year, but I'm curious, just coming off of this last game, what stood out to you about the Sky and where they're at early on this season where they really have surprised a lot of folks? Well, in our, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to spoil anonymous votes, but in our next preseason awards, I voted Dana Evans for sixth uh, player of the year. So feeling good on that take after watching the Sky (laughs) a few times this year, especially after this game. Yeah, that was quite the clipboard work from James Wade on that last play. and. Someone got, I couldn't, I can't tell who it was. Like Victoria Vivians was guarding Smith, but I don't, I can't tell if she fell for a decoy or just got too high, not expecting the role to be there with, well, there wasn't a lot of time, right? You don't think that they have enough time to run a full pick and roll, but they did. And of course it's a former fever player putting in that shot. <laughs> to send it, send it to overtime. Yeah. I've, I've caught enough of the sky to know that I, that they're giving you a uh, heart attacks every game. It feels like without <laughs> I mean, they've played as just as many close games as the Fever, but this game was so fun to me because, you know, I mean, from our perspective of storytelling, like in the first half, I thought it was going to be a Lexi Hall game and then an Alana Smith game or a Kalia Copper game or an Aaliyah Boston game or a Marina Mabry game. And all of a sudden, maybe it's a Dana Evans game. And like all these players are just having moments over and over again. Like two teams scoring over 100 is crazy, right? Like a lot of individual brilliance in this game. That last play was fantastic. Leah Boston's last three possessions for the fever were fantastic. Like it, it, it's hard to talk about it. Just like, here's how the game flowed because there were, there were so many moments like in the last five minutes plus OT that make it. I just want to talk about like player performances, which isn't a good way to talk about the game, but 
Yeah, that last play was fantastic. And and Dana Evans, Indiana native Dana Evans, yeah. might I add, uh, was brilliant in this game. Shout out Gary, Indiana. That's right. Yeah, I I wasn't sure about Dana Evans winning sixth woman of the year this year just because of Rebecca Gardner. I thought yeah. Rebecca Gardner was actually going to be someone who could potentially take away Dana's chances to a certain degree um, for her being able to vie for that award. But man, it's starting to look like she's going to be the <laughs> one to take it home this year because she has been electric on both ends of the floor. And I don't know if, if you have a vote for all defensive teams or anything or like just WNBA voting in general, but I'm going to be pushing this, man, because if you look at what Dana has been able to do, she has to be on an all defensive team based on the work that she's put in over the in the what eight games, I guess seven for her. I do want to go back to Lexi Hull for a second because she looked great yesterday. And I know that she has dealt with her shooting woes, um, but I think it says a lot about the fever and what Christy sides, like with her belief in Lexi Hull, that she's kept Lexi in the starting lineup despite those offensive struggles. What have you seen from Lexi and her development early on this year? Yeah, it says a lot about Lexi's work ethic, what she does in practice, and her defense, that they still believe in her to play as much as she does, even when her shot isn't falling. This was the case last year, too. And I think she's better defender than she was last year already early in the season. That's obvious to me. So I think they just believe that, yeah, eventually the shot's going to go in. Like, we have four years of evidence at Stanford that this is a thing. We've seen this in practice be a thing. And maybe the W is just different, and it never will be like a constant weapon. But maybe it will at some point. And last night was the first time this season where it's been like, oh, wow, you know, this is what the high-end belief of Lexi Hall really is. And to me, the the one that made me go, oh, man, this is different is it was her third three, I think. It was in transition, and she just whipped it up. Like, it was one of the fastest release times for her I think I've ever seen covering her. And I want to – we didn't get her after the game because we deserved Leah Boston and Erica Wheeler. They were fantastic. <laughs> but I wanted to know if it was, like, a confidence thing, if it was that she was hot, if it was the nature of the game because – you know, she has a lot of catch and shoots that was in transition, pulled it right away. No hesitation, completely buried it. And it was like, wow, you know, where did that come from? I think that was a moment where it clicked for her a little bit. And in general, I think she's played well this year, especially on the defensive end, despite the shot not falling. So perhaps a turning point for her, for a team that, again, believes in her rightfully so for a lot of the things she does. Completely agree with that. And after Lexi Hull hit that corner three to start off the game, Christy sides ran down the fever bench and she was like celebrating. Everyone was so <laughs> hyped to see Lexi hit that shot. And I am curious to see where her development goes because I actually do like her fit on this roster. If she plays like she did yesterday and even she had this one turnaround in the post where I'm like, wait, was that Lexi Hole who just made that shot? Like, I think she is to, like, she is starting to warm up to the physicality and speed of the W, which is pretty Great for Fever fans. Um, so what did you make of Kalia Copper last night, too? I got, I mean, I know that I think it was Kalia Copper, Marina Mabry, Dana Evans, and Alana Smith. They all combined for like 90 points yesterday. They were the entirety of the Sky's offense. Um, when you look at Kalia Copper and what she's been able to put together this season, I mean, do you feel like she's – We Chris and I actually just talked about this on the last episode, but it feels like she's still leveling up despite already being like a two-way superstar. Yeah, how come every time I watch Alana Smith, she doesn't miss? Like, uh, <laughs> why, why is this a thing? And the other game, the full Sky game I watched was against the Liberty. So, um, yeah, she was not uh, eight for eight ever for the Fever last year. Uh, but speaking to Copper specifically, like, it, it's hard to describe 
how I want to say this, but like, you know, a game speed kind of dictates a lot of what happens, but she doesn't play at the speed of the rest of the game. Like she had a lot of buckets where like the sky were trying to set something up and it was taking a little bit and it wasn't working. And then Copper just two hard dribbles really fast, get to her spot and score. And it's like, oh, it's, screw that whole play thing. I go, it's like, that's what stars do. Like they can get their buckets in any sort of situation and, and get their team going. And she had a lot of those moments last night. And maybe I just felt this too, because, you know, the fever were up a lot of the game and this guy were just trying to figure out where to get points. And, the fever gone a little run and she just answer right with a bucket like that. So maybe they just felt more significant in the moment, but that ability to play at a different pace than everybody else and not have it be a detriment kind of speaks to how good she is and what, how she's able to just do whatever she wants basically in this game. And and the fever had not no answer for her. That's a little strong, but I mean, they, they, they struggled to stay in front of her and really slow her down in this game. And, and yeah, she keeps developing like, Obviously, I think part of it's that the Sky's team is totally different and has these opportunities for her, as you know, and have talked about very often. But yeah, she she was fantastic in the, among many players for Chicago in this one. Fantastic in this game. And that's what stood out to me is just I think she was highest in the game in plus minus. I'd have to double check that. But just her ability to come in and break up the speed of the game in a way that was positive for the Sky was super significant, even beyond actually making the shots. Completely agree. And it's what she does on both ends of the floor that just still feels like goes a little unrecognized in the general discourse about the sky and where Kalia Copper stands among the top five, top 10, top 15 players in the W. Um, You know what? I can't, I wasn't planning on talking a lot about her, but I totally forgot that Alana Smith is a former member of the Fever. And <laughs> I know she only played last year, I believe. So I'm I curious. can't remember how many, nine games, eight games, not very long. Yeah. I think it was nine games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what did you see from her last year that has changed so dramatically this year? I mean, she has obviously a bigger role with the sky. She developed a lot of confidence in Poland, obviously. And that's why the sky gave her that hundred K contract and is guaranteed spot on the roster. I mean, what have you seen from Alana Smith and what, yeah, what's the biggest difference you've seen from her from her days with the Indiana fever to where she's at now? I kind of just want to lazily say her role, you know, she wasn't a stretch big necessarily, but was like on the perimeter more with the fever and she's not the five for the sky, but a lot of her finishing comes in the inside six, two point attempts last night where I felt like with the fever, I want to double check this just so I don't sound like an idiot, but uh, I felt like they kind of operated her more on the perimeter and they needed her. I actually thought she was uh, decent for them in a way that I was kind of surprised when she was waived when it happened. But uh, it feels like she has more of an interior force for the sky than she did with the fever. Just to check this eh, about the same three point attempts per game. Maybe I'm talking nonsense. Yeah, but her two attempts are about doubled from year to year. Her three point attempt rate is l- much lower with the sky than it was with the fever. So I think that's part of it to me is they're using her more as an interior player, a, uh, you know, a dive to the basket, make plays within 15 feet, make decisions there kind of player. Whereas the fever had her operate more as a stretch big and they had other, you know, centers on their team. They were trying to develop last year. So I get why the, that was the case when they, you know, Atlanta Coates, queen Egbo early in the season. I, I'm definitely forgetting another big, um, Melissa Smith played center every so often. So I get why that's the case, but I think that clearly from her improvement in Poland and how comfortable she looks with the sky, that interior play suits her well. Completely agree. And even her rim protection. I mean, she took she yeah, yeah. a little bit of foul woes a little bit earlier on in the season. Then she gets this expanded role where she's become much more patient, almost out of necessity, because the sky who are running with eight players right now, believe it or not, and really only going like six deep. I was gonna so, say 
Six. Eight by count, but six in practicality. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like really leaning on those yeah, top six players. I mean, I think Atlanta played an, another 39-minute game yesterday, and it's so interesting now that she's her sh like shot efficiency efficiency has gotten up from beyond the arc, how lethal she can be in double drags where like, I felt like she was going to be such a catalyst for the sky's offense this year in a perfect world where she is hitting these shots. And she is to her credit, that confidence, it seems like it's so high now that she's on a team that told her from the get go, you have a spot here. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder in training camp. And I think that just says a lot about what James Wade has been able to do to get the most out of this team. Um, yeah, it's just been. Can so I hand up? Wild. Apologize to James Wade because I was pretty critical of the Sky's off season, and uh, this team looks a lot more cohesive than I thought. And and I mean, as evidenced by the one play to send to OT, but he, he's doing well, drawn up stuff too. I mean, he's doing a great job. Credit to him. Yeah. Hey, you know, he's my, bad. <laughs> my bad. My <laughs> bad. I'll make sure to let him know that you apologize the next time I see him. Um. So, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about Aaliyah Boston to like wrap this up here. It's because Aaliyah Boston, I feel like every day I see a new across the timeline tweet that's just like, Aaliyah Boston, <laughs> the first WNBA player to do X. And she was terrific last night. I felt like she got, she, there was a little bit of fatigue on her end towards the end of the, like towards the end of this game. Cause it's like the rookies adjusting to the style of play of the WNBA, the physicality, the speed. Despite me saying that, it feels like the game is slower for her. She's so mature in the post, the way that she's able to just find even a modicum of space to exploit has been incredible this season. Did you expect this this early on for Aaliyah Boston to be averaging 15.8 points and be like third in true shooting percentage among players that have averaged, I think, or have at least played 50 minutes? Like, did you expect for her to be this good right away? Will you believe me if I say kinda? Um, I will like believe you. Watching her in camp, I told a few people this, and some of them rolled their eyes because Kelsey Mitchell's really good. But I was like, I think she's the best player on the team, like right, right now. And it, you know, for her stat perspective and from a you know comfortability perspective, like first home preseason game that I got to see her play. You actually got to see her playing a game before me because they yeah. played the preseason <laughs> in Chicago, not on TV. Uh, she goes against T, right? A complete beast in the post, like tough adjustment. And then she starts off her W career with um, Bree Jones and then Stewie slash John Quell and then Bree Jones again. And then um, I'm missing a game here for some reason. Uh, but either way, like tough opponent after tough opponent where she's in foul trouble and figuring out all sorts of stuff. And then in this game, it was her opponent, Elizabeth Williams, in foul trouble. So now you can see the full breadth of Leah Boston dominance. And it's just like, oh, my God, the, the talking point is about a rookie first pick in her sixth game, not getting the ball enough in overtime. Like how, it's crazy <laughs> how fast that ascent of a timeline has happened. And I, it was right. Like I, you, I think you were in the room. I asked about it after the game. Like, what can you do to, to like demand the ball more? I mean, I know you're a rookie, but that was, she scored their last six points. Like she was their best offense. And then late when it was like a three point game, they went back to her low and ball. She scores right away. It's like, I mean, it's just, her footwork is perfect. Her spacing is awesome. The wider paint really helps her have more space to make her moves. That's something I talked to her about right after she got drafted. And it's something the Fever desperately needed, right? A really good rim protector, a good defensive player. She has just, it sounds dumb to just say like she's been amazing because that like sells it short almost. It's like rookies aren't supposed to be this impactful and this important and already like significant 
talents against WNBA players. The game I missed was the Aces, by the way. How did I forget the Aces? Which is, of course, another talented team. Like, she got thrown into trial by fire and has figured it out really quick. And it's six games in. It's already like, how do you get the ball more often? You can't switch against the Fever anymore. I just I totally agree with everything that you just said there. And she did look like the best player on the Fever last night. And I love Kelsey Mitchell. I really thought that she should have been an all-star last year. And it's been awesome to see Aaliyah Boston do this this early because you just look at what happened last year in college. I mean, it, the way that she was getting tripled in the paint, it felt mm-hmm. like watching like a camp counselor at a local pool <laughs> with like three kids, like, jumping all over their back and like it felt like it was like suffocating and when Don Staley was like you're ready for single coverage single double coverage in the WNBA I was like so excited because the numbers are so deceiving about what her impact was last year in terms of spacing and everything and I'm not gonna lie though for her to be one of the most efficient players in the WNBA already given the attention that she's already garnered from opposing teams I'm not sure I had that one I wouldn't say I'm the bingo card, but I wouldn't say that I felt like it was going to be something that I expected right away. And honestly, I think she's making kind of a a good case to be on the all-star team this year. I mean, is it too early to say that? I mean, I know voting somehow started today, even though we're less than 25% into the season. (laughs) Um, Like, do you feel like Leah Boston should be getting some all-star votes this coming summer? Yeah, the, the 40 games, but the calendar being kind of the same really throws off my, like, internal <laughs> clock for the W season, right? Like, I got the thing, too, like, hey, All-Star voting's coming. I was like, huh? I, 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 haven't, I haven't seen any team play more than four or five times outside of the Viva. I'm supposed to vote on All-Star. Um, yeah, I mean, look, she's averaging 16 and 7 right now and shooting, I think, over 70% from the field now on the season. Let, let me repeat what I just said. 70% from the field. And this isn't like a player who's coming in and playing five minutes a game and shooting twice. She's taking almost 10 shots a game. She's drilling all of her twos. It, it's ridiculous. Like, you just kind of can't stop her in her footwork. And, oh, by the way, she's only played six games total. She's still figuring it out. And we'll get better as the season progresses. I've already seen her get better. And, like, watching her in practice and the way she isn't hard on herself. I can't really explain it. But just, like, when she messes up, it's, like, an immediate, my bad. What can I do better? How do I communicate? What do I need? It's, like... I just have no doubt that she'll improve as the season progresses. <laughs> and and if what, like what what's next if you're shooting 70% and averaging 16 points a game after six games? I I I, I feel like a kid talking about her because it's just like my voice goes up and I, I you know you just talk about her differently. I I haven't it's the fever have had terrible lottery luck, right? They were like second in Asia's draft and Kelsey's draft and all this stuff, but they finally hit a good one, and so it's 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 been really fun to watch, especially locally. I'm so happy for Fever fans because if they had won the draft lottery and then Aaliyah Boston's like, you know what, I want a fifth year at SC, that actually <laughs> just would have been, I mean, I that would have been catastrophic. That would have been so, catastrophic. Yeah, she decided after the lottery, she told me too, like the lottery's in December, obviously. And she she told me when she really knew it was after the SEC tournament, right? So there was like a couple months, and it was like I'm not sure, I don't know. So yeah, they'll they'll take it, and she's got Saxton with her now to make it all happen. But yeah, that would have been crushing. Not not to take any shots at Diamond Miller, who was good before her injury, but oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> this is certainly a little bit of a jump from pick one to two in this draft. Completely agree. And let's wrap it up right here. Um, I know this is a Sky podcast, but since we have the great Tony East, who, co- again, does such great work covering the fever for the next, 
I'm curious, do you think the Fever are, just looking at the landscape of the league right now, there's so many things that are up in the air again, not even a fourth of the way through the season. How do you feel about the Fever's playoff chances, given it seems like that cohesion that already exists with this team early on? Uh, eh, eh. Yeah. I mean, maybe not, like, they're better than last year, a lot better. But the biggest reason they might have a shot at it is because Seattle is way worse. Minnesota is way worse. And Phoenix is not as good as, as at least I thought they would be. We'll see where they end up coming. So there's three teams they could catch. And then it's just like you're right there with, I don't know who else is going to be in this mix. Atlanta probably would be the next team, I would say. But I'm not sure. So I'd probably still say they're in that like third worst, fourth worst range. Like they still have to clean up their clutch games, even though they're they look good. They're still one and five for a reason. And like the Liberty embarrassed them, quite frankly. I mean, Stewie had one of the best performances ever, but you know, there's still clearly some holes in this team. And like, not to be like a cynic, but like they've been running really hot from three in their last couple of games. Like if that goes away and that water shuts off, how are they going to score instead? So I don't know if they're quite at the eighth or seventh best team in the league level, but they're they're closer than I actually thought they would be. So they certainly have a shot, especially because Seattle and Minnesota are worse than I thought they would be. And Phoenix. I'm with you on that. Like, I think it says more about where the, the rest of the league is at yeah, the yeah. bottom, that it's more indicative about like the fever truly being like a playoff contender that could go deep into the postseason. But I wouldn't rule it out. Like, I'm I'm curious to see where it lands. Like even just seeing Erica Wheeler yesterday and the playmaking display that she was able to show. I mean, 12 assists is not a low total right there in the WNBA. So it was, I'm curious to see where this team is heading, but obviously you can follow Tony East at the next, so many other places. I'll put, I'll drop it in the episode description as well, where you can find his great work and, but make sure to follow him along for all of your fever updates. Tony, thank you so much for joining me on the show. This was so great. This was as fun as this guy's performance, James. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Have a good one, man. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on social media, you can always do so by checking out the episode description that has all of that information, and a link to our link tree. So go ahead and check that out if you want to find more stuff from us. And of course, if you could take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, it would really help us out. So really appreciate you all taking some time out of your day to listen to the show. And until next time.